you. Thank you. Awesome. My name is Lucundo. You can call me Lou or Lucky or Luxy or Luby Lou. They've been called a plethora of things. Or you could just say, hey, you. I will respond. It's okay. I'm cool like that. Um, but yeah, it's really, really, really good to be here this evening with you guys. Great time of worship. Isn't God just big? Like, I'm just so awestruck by the fact. No, seriously, like, God is big. Like, when you think about anything that could potentially bother you or anything that actually exists, he's bigger. He's, like, absolutely enormous, and he encapsulates everything. And I'm just so, just so awestruck by him. So this evening, as we go into the Word, I just pray that you just be so aware of the bigness of God and that there's nothing too hard for him and nothing outside of him because he encapsulates everything. So we are... Um, I guess just a bit about myself, I am I'm one of the pastors in our central community, meets right here in the morning, which is great, you know, good times, um, and uh, I was going to say, you guys are a lot cooler, you didn't hear that from me, but you are, um, <laughs> I never said that, just, just don't record that bit, <laughs> um, but yeah, and uh, I'm also on our whole church leadership team that brings a lead across our five different communities over Manchester. And I must say, it's just such a real privilege to serve God and see what he's doing in our city, in our country, in the world. He's just absolutely amazing. He really is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we're continuing with our um, slow down series. We are slowing right down. And I am so glad we are doing this slow down series because I realized that I um, suffer with this thing called hurried sickness. So basically, I'm always in a hurry. And I have received prayer for it. Don't worry, so I'm on the mend. But it's, it's to the point where I tend to do like more than one thing at once. And I have several bruises. Like, I won't show you now, but I do. You, honestly, Dami's amazing. It's not him. Um, <laughs> don't call anyone. Just, it's me. Trust me. <laughs> but like... <laughs> I will, like, if I'm making a cup of tea, I will, like, open the cupboard and, like, try and pull out the mug while I'm, like, closing something with my foot. And essentially, I will always end up injuring myself. Like, it's ridiculous. If you hear me shouting from upstairs, it's because I've been rushing and I've banged myself into something. Although I do think the houses could just be bigger. But I know, it's probably just me. And I'm really clumsy. But, yeah, I'm constantly, like, seriously in a rush. And I have received prayer. I'm on the mend. It's okay. Um, but it's something that I really grapple with. I'm always sort of I'm going from A to B. If you're anything like me, it's like I'm here and I need to get to this destination and I need to get it done. And that's it. And I'm so focused on the task at hand and so focused on what I need to do that I never slow down quite enough to notice what's going on in between. And so... Even when it comes to stuff like reading a book, I'm, I'm quite a slow reader. And I will rush through a book just so I can say I finished the book. Ask me what the book says. I will not be able to tell you because all I wanted to do was finish the book so I can say I finished the book. Rather than slowing down enough to allow the book to read me, I just want to quickly get through it so I can say I've done ABCD. I'm, I'm constantly just trying um, to get from A to B. But we're going to look at some scripture in a minute and just look at how Jesus lived, who was the absolute perfect example. Jesus was probably the most productive person I know, yet Jesus knew how to be beautifully interrupted. 
in his going about of his things day to day. He knew what it meant to not so much rush from A to B that he could stop along the way to hearken to what the father was trying to tell him, to, to listen and to allow himself to be captured by the father when he was trying to get his attention. So let's go to Mark chapter 10. We're going to read three um, different stories and then just pull out some stuff about how Jesus allowed himself, the most productive person ever, to be beautifully interrupted. Mark chapter 10. So reading from verse 46, Mark 10, 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, so Jesus was on his way out. He wasn't just dilly-dallying, but he was leaving and going somewhere. With his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus! Son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Let's go to Luke chapter 8 and from verse 40. And we read, now when Jesus returned... The crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. And Jesus went, the as Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians... She could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. 
And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, child, arise. And her spirit returned. And she got up at once, and he directed that something should be given to her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. And then finally, let's go to Luke chapter 7. And from verse 11. Soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain. And his disciples and a great crowd went with him. And as he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow. And a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. And he said to her, do not weep. Then he came up and, and touched the buyer, and the bearer stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, a great prophet has risen among us. And God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. Amen. Three really interesting stories about Jesus. Um, On his way to do something, in the first two, he was on his way to die. Jesus was on his way going into the city to give his life for the sins of the whole earth. Now, I don't know about you, but I think he had a lot on his mind thinking about what he was about to go through and what he was about to suffer. But still, he allowed himself to be beautifully interrupted by what happened along the way. He knew how to to heed to the voice of the Holy Spirit and to stop enough along the way as he was going. And one of the things, just to pull out from from what Jesus allowed himself to, to, to do and experience, was compassion. Jesus was so slowed down and so paced in his life that he, he allowed himself to be moved by compassion. Now, if we are rushing from A to B constantly, it's easy enough to, to, to develop a habit of ignoring what we see in front of us. And sometimes, if we're honest, because we feel a bit helpless to do anything about it. So if you've lived in Manchester, you'll know that there's several people who have nowhere to stay. And we can easily walk past them day in, day out because I feel helpless because I can't really fix this situation. So I'm just going to kind of ignore it and keep going to where I'm going because I need to get to what I'm doing. And in that moment, I haven't stopped enough to allow myself to be moved by compassion for that person. So of course, I'm not going to do anything about it. And there may be situations where there may not be anything I can do about it in the moment. But the more I ignore and harden my heart, the more my heart gets hard. The the harder it is for me to be moved by compassion in any situation. Because I'm only thinking about what I need to do, where I need to go, what I need to get done. I'm moving way too fast to allow myself to stop and be moved by compassion. Gary Stretton, who heads up our um, ministry for those who find themselves in a homeless situation called Homes of Hope, says that actually um, one of the best things you can do for someone who is on the streets and doesn't have a place to, to stay is to smile at them because it makes them feel like a human. 
it, it restores dignity to them. So even if I can't give any money, even if I can't solve it, I can stop and smile and say hello. And in that moment, I've restored dignity to someone because I've allowed myself to feel compassion. Jesus was someone who slowed down enough to allow himself to feel compassion. Another thing I think that sometimes prevents us from slowing down is our idea of success. So for me, I like to get things done. Like if I have a to-do list and I haven't quite done it, it really annoys me because I'm like, oh my gosh, like I haven't been productive and I just need to get these things done. I need to be, you know, I want people to think I'm competent. I want people to think I know what I'm doing. So I need to get all these things done. And my, my idea of success is getting everything done on my list. But Jesus' idea of success was simply doing what the Father said to do. Simply doing what he saw the Father do. And so even though Jesus maybe didn't get to his destination B, he slowed down enough to listen to actually God's like, now I want you to do this and now I want you to do that. And because he developed a habit of, of, of going away and being with the Holy Spirit in the quiet place that he could recognize the tug of the Spirit in the busy. And so when we spend time recognizing his voice on our own, in our day-to-day, we'll be able to recognize those beautiful interruptions when he's saying, actually, this, I know you started off doing this, but right now this is more important. And so I can go to bed, and I'd much rather go to bed thinking, rather than, oh my gosh, I ticked everything off my list today, aren't I great? I'd much rather go to bed thinking, I maybe didn't get everything done, but I listened to his voice. I listened to what he wanted me to do and I allowed myself to be interrupted when he stopped me in my rushing about. Jesus was on his way, you know, and he's on his way to die and then, you know, the Jairus, my daughter's dying and we need you to come quick, 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 quick. And the picture I sort of get is imagine if Jesus was a doctor, right? Dr. Jesus or Dr. Jesus, I don't know. Dr. Jesus and... Um, someone comes rushing from a ward and they're like, oh my gosh, we have a CCM and a POT. I don't know. They haven't watched enough shows. Anyway, but like, they're rushing like, come on, we really need you right now. This person's going to come. Like, and Jesus is like, okay, okay, I'm coming, I'm coming. Coming to like save this person who's just about to die. And then someone tugs him. He's like, hang on a minute. Who touched me? Now, Jesus knew that the woman had been healed. And he could have just been like, Oh, yeah, she got healed. That's cool, cool beans. But I need to go and heal someone, right? Because they're dying. But Jesus made a point to stop, turn around, and acknowledge what had just happened. And what that did for that woman was to bring her out of hiding and to affirm her and say, yes, daughter, your faith has made you well. I'm proud of you. Go in peace. And in that moment, as Jesus allowed himself to be interrupted, he technically let somebody die. He wasn't worried about letting somebody die because God interrupted his schedule. That's huge. How many things, I mean, as Christians generally, we're not very good at letting things die. We're not very good at letting, I mean, there's certain things in our lives, there's certain things that are really good, but actually they just need to die. And it's okay. Because if it's in his will, he'll resurrect something a lot better because he knows what's best. And so, you know, there are, There are projects, there are relationships, certain things that we just need to let go of in order to hearken to his voice. So Jesus lets this girl die, 
but he has a plan and he goes and he brings her back to life. And a huge thing about this, and just for me, I, I know in my life, is control. I want to be able to control the situations around me. But actually, Jesus knew that he was, he was living in obedience to his father. And so he trusted that his father had control. And so he was able to do exactly what he said. And when we can relinquish control in our lives, we will be far more receptive to be beautifully interrupted in our day-to-day and to beckon to what he's calling us to do. Success will begin to look different in our eyes because it's not about us doing what we set out to do, but it's about us doing what he wants us to do. A poem by a missionary, famous missionary to China called C.T. Studd said this. I think it's the first verse. Two little lines I heard one day traveling along life's busy way bringing conviction to my heart and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life we have. Really, really busy, but actually only what we do in him and for him is what is significant. And that is in our day-to-day life, in our jobs, wherever we find ourselves, in school, at home. But really switching that perspective to say, I don't want to be the most successful person just so I look like it. I want to be successful because I did what you said for me to do. I want to finish well. I want to get to heaven and hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. You did what I told you to do. Even if it doesn't look that great in other people's eyes. And just one thing to point out is that interruptions, so when I talk about beautiful interruptions, there's this nudge of the Holy Spirit to, to kind of, you know, shift up our day. And we sing a lot, don't we? Holy Spirit, come, break down these walls, da-da-da-da-da. But then he comes and interrupts, and we're like, no, 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 you're not supposed to, like, ruin a schedule. Um, but this is what I mean when I say beautiful interruptions. It's hearkening to when he, when he comes in to do something amazing. Um, and those beautiful interruptions are very different from distractions, Okay, two different things. And, and so what tends to happen with me and how I, I tend to, I guess, differentiate between them is when I have a beautiful interruption, I tend to justify why I shouldn't do it, right? So maybe I'm hoovering and I'm like, I need to like finish hoovering and that person calls who I know or keep me on the phone for half an hour and I like feel this tug in my spirit so they might really need to talk to them. I'm like, no, 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 because I need to finish hoovering. I need to be a good steward of my home and I need to like keep it clean because I want to have people around. So I justify not doing it. However, when it's a distraction, I move towards it. Example, I'm hoovering my house. The phone rings. Oh, my goodness, thank you. Okay, hello. And I pick it up real quick because I, need to, I want to avoid doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So when it's a distraction, I tend to procrastinate and move towards it because it's just nature. But when it's a beautiful interruption, I tend to justify why I shouldn't do it because I'm trying to, again, avoid it. And we need to learn how to distinguish these things. And Jesus knew how. So Jesus is walking along the road, blind man shouting, heal me, heal me. And people are telling him to keep quiet. Can you imagine it? Those voices, no, keep quiet. You're being um, silly. Shut up. And Jesus knew, okay, no, I need to heal this person. Jesus is on his way to die. And Peter says to him, oh, no, you can't do this. Get behind me, Satan. That was a distraction. That was a beautiful interruption. Jesus knew the difference. Because the thing is, 
distractions will pull you away from your destiny. Beautiful interruptions push you towards your destiny. That's the difference. And we have to learn to discern and recognize those moments because every single time Holy Spirit shows up and invites us to partner with him, he's drawing us closer and more into him, into his purposes, into what he wants for us. And that pulls us towards our destiny. But every time we beckon to the distraction and the chaos and going away from it, we're going further away from what he wants for our lives. And yet sometimes we seem to wrap it up as I'm doing what I should be doing. But we need to learn to discern the difference between beautiful interruptions and distractions. And in order to do that, we have to be those who cultivate a disciplined lifestyle. We want to slow down enough, not just so we can be like, I'm not doing any, just slow, just like sleeping all the time. That's laziness. Um, but we have to cultivate a discipline in order to be able to do these things. Now, my dad is probably the most disciplined person I know. And my dad is the most slow-paced person I know, but he's also very productive. I'll give you an example. So when I was, when I was still at home and I got my first job and, and um, it was crazy, like, shift patterns. But anyway, so I would start work at, like, half 12. My dad would start work roughly the same time. My dad would wake up at about 6 o'clock. And he would, he would wake up, he has his routine, so he'll, like, go and take a nice bath, and then he'll have his breakfast, then he watches the news, then he does his like stretching exercises, then he reads his Bible, still has about two hours to spare before he goes to work. Myself, on the other hand, starts work at half 12, wakes up at half 11, <laughs> rushing around the house, oh my gosh, this is, again, doing multiple things at one time, injuring myself in the process. Um, and then I'm like, come on. And the thing is, my dad used to take me to work. So I'm like, dad, we're running late. We're running late. He's like, I've been awake for hours. Why are you rushing? He's like, okay. And my dad takes me to work. I'm huffing and puffing. My dad's chilled. He's so chilled out. And the thing is, because he was so disciplined, he was so chilled. He has more space. He's created space and time in his life to allow God to interject. So, for example, if you're running late to work, I doubt you're going to give anybody, like, you know, let anyone through on the road because you're like, I'm running late. Come on, people, move. If you left home about 10 minutes earlier, you could give at least five people away because you've created this discipline that allows you to slow down your pace so you can listen to us. So you can bless others. It's really simple. I say this. It's harder to do. But we have to be those who are disciplined enough to create space to allow him. We can't just say, come Holy Spirit, come, and then rush on to the next thing. That makes no sense. It's like you've invited someone over and then you're not home. It makes no sense. Very rude. Don't do that. Not good at all. But you know, and Jesus was the same. Jesus was so disciplined, so disciplined. He knew when to start, when to stop, when to speed up, when to slow down. He pulled himself away because he knew it was imperative that he spent time with the Holy Spirit, with his father, so that he could, he could live in the rhythms that God had for him. And we can be those that discipline ourselves, that tell ourselves to stop. Sometimes when I'm rushing around and I'm in a panic and a fluster, and you will know when you are rushing because your body will tell you. You will either like have palpitations or you get a bit shaky or you start sweating. But if you don't know, begin to recognize when you're, when you're unsettled. And when those moments come, we have the opportunity to be like, okay, I'm just going to stop for a second. Holy Spirit, come. 
tell me what is not important right now because usually there'll be something I'm trying to do that maybe isn't the right thing or there is something I'm trying to do but I'm allowing lots of other things to come in the way just help me sift in this moment and still me and that can only take 20 seconds sometimes it doesn't have to take long and the more we do it the more we cultivate this discipline of allowing him to slow us down and allowing ourselves to be beautifully interrupted and so it's not impossible it's not impossible at all God is full of grace and he's full of mercy and he's full of love. Um, but let's be those who are aware. Let's be those who, who really think about what success looks like, who stop enough to have compassion, who practice compassion. The more we allow ourselves to feel it, the more we will feel it. We want to feel what he feels. So we need to slow down enough to allow that to happen. But it's not impossible because we have his spirit. The Holy Spirit who sheds his love in our hearts by his grace. So let's stand together. And I just want you just, just in this moment, maybe think about the thing that causes you to rush the most. Or the situation that you tend to find yourself in where, yeah, that's, I'm, I'm constantly rushing. Or, or you know what, what tends to distract your thoughts. So the fat thing you think is super important. Actually, maybe it isn't. And just think about it for a moment. And now I want you to think about what that would look like if you relinquished control. Like, what's the worst that could happen? But if you allowed God to step in, in that routine, or that moment, or that thought process, and just imagine God stepping in, and imagine him saying, well done, you heard me. Well done for slowing down, my good and faithful servant. Well done for recognizing what's really important and what has eternal value. So Holy Spirit, we just come humbly before you, God. We have so much to do and it only increases as we get older. But Father, we thank you that you've given us the perfect example in Jesus. That Jesus, you came and you lived as a man to make it possible for us to do so too. Thank you that as you are, so are we in this earth. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that we are those who can allow the voice of the Holy Spirit to dictate our lives rather than the pressures around us. And so we pray, Lord Jesus, that for the rest of the evening, tomorrow, as we go about our week, that you would just come and begin to highlight things and areas to us where we can slow down to beckon your beautiful interruptions where we can allow our hearts to be moved with compassion, help us to practice compassion, help us to think beyond ourselves. Help us not to get caught up in a lie of productivity when it's really distractions, but help us to really recognize what you're doing in the earth and to partner with you so we can see your kingdom come. We love you, you're awesome, you're big, you're mighty, and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you guys.